Welcome, welcome to the Social Living Podcast. I go by the name of Julian Green, mentor and social media consultant, and my co-host, Jamal Lawrence, social media executive at Superdry. And we talk all things social media. How you doing, Jam? How's your week been? Yeah, again, another another busy week. I feel like it's an ongoing thing and I keep saying it, but yeah, it's been a, it's a busy period at the moment, but yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. So yeah, I'm enjoying, enjoying what social's been bringing to me over the last few months. But um, yeah, it's not too bad. How's, how's things with you? Yeah, man, it's been, it's been a busy week. Um, been working a lot with some young kids, uh, helping mentoring. Uh, I think mentoring has kind of taken over what I'm doing at the moment, which is good. Um, trying to lead the way for the next generation, man. Uh, mm-hmm. Trying to let as many kids know there are many options in life and you do not have to choose a negative one. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, man, I'm, 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 I'm working hard. Um, I still got way more to do, but it's, 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 it's good. It's good. And I feel good. I do feel good. That's man. good to hear. So, yeah. That's good to hear. Yeah, That's good to hear. We got uh, we got another interesting topic today. Uh, the title goes by "How Social Media Affects Your Mental Health." It's a big one. Mental health has been something that has been on everybody's lips for probably the last. Would you say five years? Would yeah, say, I think uh, so. I think so. For me, anyway, it's been yeah, definitely the last five years. I've seen a bot like kind of bubble up and, and rise to the surface. Yeah, like same. I feel like, you know, we're we're human society is moving in like a different direction to what we were moving in before. This probably happens with every generation, but I feel like with the world kind of going into this, you know, sensitivity. You know, let's look after the earth. Let's be vegan. You know, let's look after our health. Let's, you know, let's not take, let's not offend anyone. You know, we're getting into that stage and we're starting to see, you know, some of the effects of some of the, I guess, some of the staples or some of the things that's been put in front of us in society. So we're starting to realize some of their effects. And social media is one of those things. It's one of those big things that's completely changed life as we know it today. So um, if I'm corrected, I think that like before social media, life was very different um, mm. in terms of our parent in terms of our parents. So if you're a baby boomer, um, what's the what's the other generation? Um, generation X? Is that it? No. Yeah. Generation X. Yeah, Generation X. Um, millennials potentially, because they grew up without screens. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you know those those guys. If you grew up during that time, it was a different era. Different skills were needed. You know, technology is different. The access to information was very different. Um, myself and Jamel spoke last week, and we were just talking about as fathers, some of the conversations that we have with each other is not um, something that we think maybe our parents ever had. It weren't discussions that our parents ever had. So, um, yeah, we just kind of want to uncover some of the effects that social media 
has on our mental health and maybe uncover some of the other things that kind of branch off that, whether it's toxic masculinity, um, pressures of, you know, beauty, and women, feminism, uh, misogyny, and, you know, loads of different things like that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's get down to, let's get down to the nitty gritty, man. Would you, would you say, yeah. um, actually, before we get into it, I do this every episode, <laughs> before we get into it, I have a question for you. But again, on, you, don't me. To, you, don't have to, you don't have to answer it until the end of the show. So, mm. um, oh, what was my question? Oh, so basically, if you, if no, if success was guaranteed mm-hmm. um, in your profession, and you could choose any mm-hmm. profession, any career, what would that career be? What career would you choose? So if success was okay. guaranteed in any profession, in any profession, what career would you choose? And why, of course. Okay. Mm. Yeah. I've got my answer yeah, now. So, yeah, yeah, I've got it. Yeah, yeah. You, got, you really got it, yeah? I've got right, the we'll, answer. We'll, yeah. we'll, unco- we'll uncover it, you know, towards the end of the show. But mm. yeah, been, I'm glad you got your answer already. So mm. yeah. All right, cool, mm, man. Cool, so social cool. media, man. Has it, has it affected your mental health before? Have you ever felt like, you know what, um, this is really taking a toll on my life. Like social mm. media or maybe the pressures. Like, like let, let, let's just throw some of the pressures out there, especially under 30s. Uh, the pressures mm. of maybe getting married. The pressures I think, of, yeah. That's one. The pressures of making enough money, making ends meet. Uh, maybe just the pressures of maybe feeling like you're, you're rich. Um, the pressures of looking a certain way, staying fit, staying shaped. Um, yeah, like, do you feel like any of these things have affected you in a negative way? Yeah. So, but to ask your first question about if I've if I've ever had any negative um, experiences with social media and my mental health, I don't think I have. That has been related to um social media itself but I think my for me the time in my life where I felt like I struggled most with my mental health was my the, the transition of leaving football and trying to find my path yeah. and I felt like for me I had to just come away almost disappear off social media I didn't want anyone to contact me I didn't want anyone to know what I was doing I just needed my own space and I needed to be able to process things and, and find my direction without I guess I guess that's where I guess the pressures and and being seen constantly comes into it. I think that's what I didn't want. I just wanted I just wanted to be private. I know you have private accounts and stuff like that, but for me that wasn't enough. I just didn't I didn't I just didn't want yeah, like I said, to be seen. So I removed myself from social media for a period of time. And it yeah, it definitely helped find my path. I, I reckon I took about a two year break. It must be about mm-hmm. a two year, maybe for maybe even if not longer, three years. It's only my current account now, the private one I have that I'm active on. I've had that since Elias was born. So yeah, I've only been active for the last two years. But um, yeah, I think it just it kind of stems from the comparison, I I guess. Um, especially with with your age mates and people you've gone to school with, if you're seeing um certain people do well, 
you start comparing what your life is at the moment to theirs, not knowing the backstory or how they got there and 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 all that all that jazz. But yeah, it's 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 always a difficult one and I've yeah, I think I definitely struggled with it in the past. But for me it wasn't it wasn't related to social media as a whole. It was kind of my, my personal life and what what I was going through at the time just made me feel like I didn't need to be on it rather than me getting sucked into that, that social media hole and comparing myself to to my age mates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and but obviously you, so you haven't gone through it on a in a social media aspect, but just in the life aspect of just like having to um deal with real life as it as it you know mm. as it moves you into different directions. And would you give and is there any advice that you could probably give to someone who might be going through uh, some mental health problems at the moment so you mentioned Um, a couple things there you mentioned a couple things there like removing yourself from like uh i get from communication from i guess people you don't want to be messaging you mm -hmm. yeah i think Um, that's for me again i've i've worked with people that struggle with mental health and i've felt like i've been around it often recently and for me i I seem to link everything back to having a detox and kind of re- like similar to what I've done and how I removed myself from a situation I didn't want to be with, be in. Um, mm. I'd recommend doing the same thing just because it worked for me. Just it didn't have to be like a, a mindfulness retreat or whatever. Like that can be great, and I like I'd recommend that too. But it can be something as simple as removing yourself from social media, removing yourself from certain friendship groups. If it's the your work, that's not. Um, giving you fulfillment and causing you mental health issues, removing yourself from your work. That could be for a, a short period of time or permanently leaving the role. Um, if it's family members, again, removing yourself from that situation. I think it will just help you look and analyse what is causing your mental health to be the way it is. And then you can then make decisions going forward to kind of tackle that. But I think, yeah, I think that'd be the main thing for me. It's just that removement, and in that time of of removing yourself from that situation, it might be a case of speaking to the ones close to you. Um, if you can find help in terms of psychologists or a therapist, um, speaking to them, speaking to your GP, just, yeah, just, just taking time to focus on yourself and kind of removing yourself from those negative situations you're in. Mm. I think it's very powerful. And you know what, it's good that, because you, you've been... You've experienced like a negative, I guess, or is it mental? You've had mental health issues in yourself and you've been able to kind of overcome it. And obviously the the solutions you're providing obviously is unique to you, uh, but it could also mm-hmm. work for other people. They have to, they have to try and try and find it. And I think the key thing you mentioned there was like separating yourself from the, the having to, um, compare yourself to others so it's almost like distract yourself from the distraction if you get what I mean mm-hmm. social media is a, a, a massive distraction tool um but you've been able to like distract yourself from that so you can focus so you have mm-hmm. to find it's like you found you found your focus on what it is that you need to do and then kind of go from there but I guess I, I guess that's you kind of like coming into like adulthood you know the big world out there but what mm-hmm. about what about kids what about like 
want to say kids, but teenagers, um, and how they might have to deal with deal with it because it's not again, it's not something that you uh, they, as a, I think they might find it really hard to try and come off social media, especially during mm. a time where everyone else around them might be on it. You know, yeah. And when I say teenager, gone. I was going to say, yeah, it's difficult because uh, as teenagers and people in secondary school, I'd say it social media is just a big status symbol. Like if you have to be on it and you, you have to like, like, I remember being on uh, even like Facebook, people would check, even we were talking about Bebo and that social currency and having the most yeah. likes and, and, and stuff like that. And that's kind of carried through the rest of the social media platforms. And it, yeah, it's, it's present. It's still present in, um today, but yeah, that's definitely a, a difficult one to advise for for that generation. Again, I'd say remove yourself or maybe keep your account private and follow follow people that you care about and, and can bring value to your life. I know it sounds a bit deep for, for teenagers, but I think that is, yeah, if you could, the, the closer, the sooner you get to that stage, I think the happier you'll become. But um, yeah, yeah what, would you, what would you advise to, to young Killian? Killian's now 14 in today's in today's world and he's he's struggling with 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 that side of stuff what would you what would you advise him oh you know what is for me i'm a i'm a big believer in i'm a big believer in community so Mm -hmm. um it's like i feel like obviously us we're family and we have kids that are similar age and i think it's extremely important to have family members who Killian could use as like an outlet. So there's going to be times where I'm not going to be able to get through to Killian, mm-hmm. but maybe you can, maybe an auntie mm-hmm. can, maybe a cousin can, maybe Elias can, you know, mm-hmm. and if we all kind of raised or we all put president on certain moral values, I believe that's what's going to help aid any of Killian's decisions. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think it's about like setting the right example as opposed to him making an idled situation. So as, we're grow- as he's growing up through one all the way up to 14, I think he needs to understand or look and see maybe how how his parents have dealt with adversity or anything like that. What do you do? You take mm-hmm. a, do you take a deep breath? Do you focus? Do you go back and do what you love, or do you take out a cigarette? Do you mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Like it's still do you, really you break the yeah. air. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I think that's that's why I feel like it's the environment. Obviously, there's going to be isolated stories. There's going to be isolated stories of where, you know, people from the most calm camp, like calmest family, are just raged. But mm-hmm. that could be that could be another situation of maybe things just being bottled up, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot. There's a lot to do with masculine energy, feminine energy, uh, testosterone, especially young boys when they get from like 
12, 13, 14, 15, they start acting out in class and, you know, you start doing all these different things. And I think it's at, during those ages where kids, uh, I think they need, either, they need discipline, but they, they should take part in something that's fun, but that requires discipline. So, <clears throat> you know, us, when we were kids, we weren't out gallivanting on the roads and just doing madnesses, but we had football <clears throat> in our lives. We needed to be fit for football. Everything was revolved around football. So in one essence, football keeps you out of trouble. You know what I mean? Because if you've got, you got a match and training and stuff, you haven't got time to be just out here on the street doing whatever, whatever, whatever. And if you got in your head that you want to be a footballer, you're more likely to be more focused on that. But there's other disciplines, yeah. like things like boxing, martial arts. They teach all these things. But also what that does is it tires you out. Where some kids might not have exposure to things that might knacker them out. So you burn, you burn all this testosterone, you burn the testosterone, like you use it. So mm. if you do boxing and stuff like that, it's a discipline, you know, and you don't want to lose your, your, your sparring match or whatever it is you want to do. But you get to do that and you exert all this energy. But if you don't do, you don't have anything like that, you're more likely to be out here on the street trying to rob someone because you need the adrenaline. You need that, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, I think, you know, those types of things are, are really important. I don't know how I strayed away to that. I we're meant to be talking about mental health. So you, have to help me you have to help it's me. All part, no, it's all part of it, though. That is, no, that is all part of it because it's, it's stuff kids will, will struggle with and it will essentially affect their mental health. Um, yeah, exactly. through decision making and stuff like that so yeah so it's all relative it's all yeah, relative fair. i lost my way there a little bit but yeah no you <laughs> no because it, it it's exactly that it's exactly that so um this will help clear their mind a little bit more you know mm -hmm. what i mean so you, you have you have your values and i think you're, you you have morals and you know what like i've been working from um a college uh for the last three months and i've mm -hmm. seen a wide variety i've seen a wide variety of kids and there's so many kids out there that are just misunderstood and a lot of them are dealing with mental health issues a lot of them are dealing with not so much on the social media front there's quite a few on the social media front but i think they're so misunderstood by teachers um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this, I'm gonna make this specific to black boys because I see a lot of black boys at the moment, and they're just like misunderstood by teachers. They're already a lot of some are like judged by teachers. A lot of them are pressured by their environment as well, in terms of how they should be and how they should act and all this type of stuff. They're also pressured by social media to try and give off a certain lifestyle. Like you know, when you go to school and some kids have got Gucci belts and stuff, and you're just like, come on. Mm. You haven't got money for an actual Gucci belt. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And if you did, you're doing something dodgy, or do you know what I mean? But there's like a lot of pressure. There's Sometimes there's not truth behind some of these, um, some of these things that they, you, they hold on to. Do you feel like they know... You know, you mentioned that they, they, they definitely struggle with mental health. Do you feel like they know that? Did you, do you feel like they know what they're going through? Or do you feel like they think that's just part of, of their life and that's just how they feel? I think it really depends. I think some are aware. Like, I had a chat yesterday with a boy 
and he 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 got in trouble, right? And someone asked me to go speak with him, and I spoke with him. Yo, this boy is brighter than anything. I couldn't like I was surprised. Why he's in mm. trouble is is just because it's like it's it's his environment, you know. But he has morals. He has has a family with morals. So he knows what he's here to do. And I think Mm -hmm. there's two, I think there's two steps when it comes to changing behavior. The first thing is taking responsibility for your behavior. And I think that's what he's doing at the moment. He's about to start taking responsibility. But then after that is accountability. So once you take accountability Mm -hmm. for your actions, that's when you don't make the mistake. So you take responsibilities. Like, yeah, I did that. I did wrong, and I'm sorry. Right? But th- mm-hmm. that might not mean that you won't. That might not mean that you won't do it again. But you've taken responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you've done wrong. Where some people might do wrong. No, I didn't do that. No, 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 no. You know, they deny it. So mm-hmm. they're not actually taking responsibility for their action. But some people take responsibility. Mm-hmm. And then after that responsibility is when you take accountability and then you're like, yeah, I know where this leads me to. I'm not trying to do that. I'm going to do this. And I think that that transition has to be learned. And it's probably through the ages of like 14 to like 21 or whatever, where you kind of like learn those. And it's going to be at different paces. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know when I, I don't know when yeah. I came like a expert at this i don't i just i just i just thinking <laughs> literally just like, i just think it's, it's life yeah, so i think it's just life you know the life lessons yeah. that you learn as you go older and and obviously the, the the people younger than you haven't been able to go for it so you can you feel like you're in a position to advise it's like it's that wisdom almost like i definitely get it and black boys yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely an issue because i even i even remember like, like when i was my football transition transitional period I didn't. I didn't really understand what I was going through. It's only when I look back at it now, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I was suffering a bit. But at the time, I just. I don't know if it was a good thing because I was just, just, just getting on with it. But what I think now, is it it would have been approached differently. Yeah, um, yeah. Whether and then that's a that's a different a different debate as well. Whether that's good or bad or, or what what the right way is because I think the the right way is different for different people. And yeah, it's just finding, yeah, it's just finding that that your route, but um, just having an open mind to different, yeah, different ways to overcome it. But yeah, so definitely an issue with with black boys and and I kind of I guess that opening up and like you said, being accountable of of your of your decisions, of your surroundings, and and, and kind of focus on making that on making better choices. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's, it's extremely important, extremely important. And for me, I've always wanted to kind of go back into, I wanted to go into mentoring. because only I only say this because when I was a young, when I was a kid from eight years old, I've been mentored by the same, same person, right? And uh, he probably, at the time, he probably didn't see himself as a mentor, um, I wouldn't even say I w- I'm not going to say he's like a mentor now, but he's he, I'm still in touch with him, and that's just, mm. it's just the effect. I was eight years old, and he was sixteen when we first met. But who was he? Who was he to you? 
so he was um so when so when you go to pri- primary school in my area after school we had like an after school club where you would go if your parents worked obviously until like 5 30 or 6 or whatever and then they would come and pick you up so from 3 30 once you finish school you would go to this after school club you go play it's like play games you do different activities you might go on different trips and stuff like that and um when the 16 year old joined he took a liking to myself um and my best friend at the time who's also my business partner at the agency and he just kind of took us under his wing because he liked that we played football and believe it or not there were other kids who were just didn't play football but their whole focus was just I'm going to distract other people, if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. But he just, he took us under the wing. And he just kind of, because we like football, he just was like, yeah, I want to make sure that these guys don't get distracted by anything else. So anything mm-hmm. he got distracted, anything he got distracted with, he would let us know, look, that's not, that's not it. Do you know what I mean? And it just continued yeah. from like eight years old all the way to like 18 you know um, mm-hmm. we just maintained the relationship because uh, he helped us all through like primary school we just maintained a relationship through secondary school so he was still working at my primary school so sometimes after school if I had to pick up my sister I would go back and check him and he would still continue to kind of drop game and drop information mm-hmm. and like he's like all right you're, you're 16 now you're going to feel pressured to you know want to have a girlfriend or da 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 da. Yeah. He's like, look, if you're trying to do your football thing, you need to focus, like, or blah blah blah. blah. So there'll be certain things where you're seeing, like, you might feel pressure to do something, but you're not ready to take it on. Like some people uh-huh. get, you know, get into relationships very young, like fourteen, and have like four year relationships, and then, you know, next minute they're like, let's say they're fourteen, they're in some relationship with someone slightly older, they're messing around teenage pregnancy but then none of them are ready to mm. handle it but they've been acting like mm. they've been married do you know what I mean it's like he's mm-hmm. probably seen that firsthand and he's guided me in a way of like this is what happens if you do this this is what happens mm-hmm. if you do that but I I I had the what's the uh, I guess the the maturity to understand what he was saying to me I could take in his message do you know yeah. what I mean big up Ethan for important. listening to the show as well yeah go on mm. I think that's important to have that um, as as young boys, having that, that figure. Because sometimes, I guess, a dad can seem too distant in terms of age range. You might not feel like they, they understand what you're going through, different generations. Um, and then you've got cousins who are family, so t- sometimes you might not feel as open to speak to them. So having that other figure... Especially within the school, within that environment, is is important because you kind of kind of looked up to your olders and the people a few years older than you, and they were then the cool kids. You you took their message in, you'd listen to them. Yeah. But it's important that you've got someone giving you positive messaging because that happens, but it happens in the wrong way, and and the olders will will start feeding these kids, yeah, um, negative information that they they shouldn't be dealing with at that age. So. If you can find that positive figure, definitely, definitely stick around. And mm-hmm. and if and if you find one that's not giving you, you know morally what they're telling you isn't right, stay away. Yeah, one hundred percent, man. Like this, it, you know, when it comes to that's why I say the 
the the important thing for me just by knowing that is is the community around you do you know what i mean like understanding mm. that maybe as a black boy growing up or even if you're a mixed race or whatever having someone that can just relate to you within your school is really really important like i, I was so lucky that you probably didn't have that at your school like no. i know i know i know other people didn't have that at their school but i was lucky in my situation to have someone who like just coached me through life like ever intentionally or unintentionally it was just a good figure who was trying to do good for themselves and and has already been exposed to things and was just trying to guide you into the right path you know what i mean he's not telling me what to do but he's he's showing me the consequences of actions that i might have to face do you know what i mean so it's like mm-hmm. when I make my decision, I already know the consequence of that. Do you know what I mean? Or I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm already experienced. But again, people learn yeah. different ways. Some I people, think that's... some people. Ha, ha, ha. Go on. No, I was just gonna say. I think that's it's an important. That's an important message, and you can take that onto social as well by, like your message about community. Ultimately, the people you follow, and that are following you, that then become your community. Community. And you're then choosing whether you're following people that are giving you positive or negative messaging. And and without knowing, these people will help shape your decision-making. For example, if you're a young boy, I don't, I know this has been a topic for, for a while about drill and, and, and the young kids listening to drill and what that might do to them. But just, just being around that, that thought process and what they're talking about constantly will end with, you start taking it in and you might not maybe copy their lifestyle but you might just look at life a different way whereas if you're following um i don't want to bring rappers into it but if you're following different musicians or different influencers or friends or whatever it might be it will just help shape or or steer you along a different path it's just yeah make like you said community is massive and and that that community is also on social media and it's it's that bubble you're in in terms of who you're following and who's following you yeah, it's true. I'm like we mentioned it last week when Ethan joined us as well, and we were talking about the algorithm and what social media um, does. So, like, if you watch videos of people dancing, you're more likely to be shown videos of people dancing, right? But if you're mm-hmm. that works in a positive and negative way. So, if you're watching things like Love and Hip Hop, and it only shows people being hyped, the fighting, infidelity. You know, deep, uh, is it infidel? Not is that the word infidelity? No, when you're cheating on someone, I can't remember the word. But um, mm. yeah, when when you're you know people cheating on one another and you're constantly like engaging with this type of content, that's gonna be around you all the time. Mm-hmm. And then this is where we see the birth of like, oh, everyone should have a side ting or a side chick and all this different type of stuff. And it's like that mentally that. That, that's that's pulling on everybody, you know. Because mm-hmm. and this is go on. So I was just gonna say that at the start you mentioned toxic mas- masculinity, and that's this is like where it stems from, because these toxic yeah. behaviors then become part of it, more and more men's um thought patterns, and they start adapting that way of of thinking and acting, not re- not yeah. realizing or knowing where it's coming from. Yeah, and they they think it's cool. Like, it's cool to have mm. a side chick, but you can't. You might not be able to handle having a side chick or the mm. um, the effects of having a side chick. 
And like, yeah, I think, you know what, we should actually dive into toxic masculinity, you know, like as we're on the topic and it's part of kind of mental health, like there's a lot of men out there at the moment who, I guess, like they avoid vulnerability. Um, but again, it might not be no fault of their own. I can tell you for sure, like showing any kind of vulnerability is probably a sign of weakness, you know, in, mm-hmm. in pretty, in, you know, in other generations. You know mm. the the be- the belief in homophobic beliefs, uh, and just kind of maybe ignoring personal traumas. Um, you know certain beliefs about women. You know, like all these things kind of play into toxic right masculinity. Like we've all heard the saying, "Be a man." You know, suck it up. Mm. And mm. Um, yeah, like <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever? Have you ever felt? those pressures before um those toxic yeah definitely within i think when you're surrounded by guys it's definitely at its worst so as i was growing as i was progressing through my football career i didn't notice it but now looking back I, i i i get what why people were like they how they were in terms of looking up at the older pros and and what the advice the advice they were giving to me at the time about maybe just taking stuff on the chin, not reacting to certain things and just and just kind of riding it, which is also good advice, but sometimes you do need to be able to speak to someone, especially as a as a young pro. It might be not as relatable to, to many people, but that that situation can be a younger brother speaking to an older brother or an older cousin or an uncle or, something, or whatever it might be. But just having someone you can you can conversate with rather than someone that just that's just giving you advice. So I think that helps that helps kind of break down the barriers and you can connect to a, another man and and be, be a bit vulnerable. But before that was that was a that was a no go. Nah you don't you're not vulnerable. You can't you're a man. You 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 don't, you got just gotta get on with it. But not one. Whereas now, there's you, you kind of have the opportunity to, like you said, like we the conversations we have that wouldn't have happened in our dad's generation about fatherhood and and the struggles of that. So yeah, it's definitely yeah, it's de- I definitely experienced it in my life. What about you? Can you can you say the same? Yeah, con- I feel like it's a it's a constant thing, man. Like there's mm. so many moments where you're you're told to like suck it up, you know, uh, this is not about you. Or um, you know, there's cert- like certain things is just like I-, I think that I can talk about my feelings. I think to be fair, I think our generations from millennials onwards, I think they're able to actually have emotional conversations. Mm-hmm. Like, do you like if we were to talk to our granddad, for example, do you reckon we could have an emotional conversation with granddad? Like, I just don't think it would no, no. You know so, what I mean? Yeah, so he wouldn't. Yeah, I don't think he's. He's not. He's yeah. He's gone through his life not being able to do that. That's not a normal thing. Like just the whole that his whole life was was a, was from a position of strength, I guess. And I yeah. can't imagine even when he first come over to the country, I can't imagine him like talking about his struggles or or if it did, it might have been over a pint. And when they were six pints in, they might start yeah. speaking about it. But it wasn't a it wasn't a natural conversation. But even even just drinking the pints might be just his way of dealing with it. Like 
okay, mm-hmm. time no, I'm gonna after like two or three pints, I'm gonna feel a bit, I'm gonna feel away from my feeling. I'm gonna be separate from my feeling because mm-hmm. I'm in a merry place. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's and that's how some people dealt with certain things. But mm-hmm. I think sometimes that can go too far for some people and it becomes a reliance. They rely on that to get them through whatever it is that they're facing. And I saw it, I saw it on Made You Think or something like that, where they were talking about suicide rates amongst men and suicide rates amongst women. And amongst men, mm-hmm. it's like one of the far, it's like far, one of the fastest right now. And um, yeah, men are constantly faced with certain battles like all the time. Like we've had conversations, you, you probably see these conversations within our community all the time where, oh, um, a man has to have money to be able to mm-hmm. take me out on a date or something. Or, you know, a man, if, if, if a man asks me out on a date, he should pay for it all. And whatever I want mm-hmm. on the menu, he should be able to pay for it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I saw, I, I saw, a, I saw a, um, a post today, which I thought was ridiculous. It was, a bill for six grand at a restaurant and the caption was um uh a man should be able to handle this kind of bill and i was like whoa Mm -hmm. imagine imagine that obviously i wasn't sure in myself if i saw that i'm gonna be like yo i need to get my money up or Mm -hmm. i'm not worth it because i can't afford that but you're like 19 Mm -hmm. are you expected to have six grand just disposable and then suddenly Suddenly, when you get to 21 and you're seeing all these, because the birth of social media and YouTube and whatever, you're seeing all these suddenly 21-year-old millionaires. It's like, (laughs) oh, you're 21 and you haven't made it. And, Mm. you know, the girl that you have a crush on is saying that she needs people to pay six grand for her meal. Mm. Like, how's that going to make you feel self-esteem, man? Yes, it's, it's it's a terrible place for that. And you see it, like, even if it's not that meal, it might be clothes. Like, if my man's not got an, uh, a Rolex or if my man's not wearing the latest Dior trainers or whatever it might be, or Jordans. Like, these Jordans are expensive shoes, but they've, they've now become common and, 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 and expected. So if you can't afford the Jordans, does that mean you're, you're, you're not, you're not the guy, you're not, you're not it. So, like, yeah, it's, terrible place for it and then it and it's and then it comes in the form of of memes as well and those memes even though it's jokey subjects these memes kind of fuel add, add fuel to the fire because it's still around it's still in people's um view and they're, they're still taken in it's just a different a different format but um you can you can see it yeah. but also i was gonna say like that toxic masculinity right there like is that, that it's like it's that's kind of like sometimes it's birthed from women but then it has a knock-on effect because it makes you look at women as a different like a like a certain commodity it's like mm-hmm. you're not looking at them as like humans it's just like okay this girl likes me because of my jordans but then mm-hmm. if someone else has something else you might feel threatened oh this guy he's wearing balenciagas oh i might lose out i might lose my girl to this guy now because mm-hmm. the president was on this material thing mm-hmm. as opposed as opposed to any connection you might have with the girl or anything like that so it can birth like a misogynistic like a certain kind of like hate towards women and it might be like an underlying hate 
it's like a, you know like an underlying hate where it's like not that you hate women but like you treat them in a certain way because mm-hmm. of definitely like, yeah do you know what i mean you just treat them like mm. as objects like mm-hmm. I, I can't like i in london i've been out so many times i work in marketing there's been so many bars i've been to old white men i don't want to single them out um i don't want to stereotype them as well but like i just it's just what i've experienced so much the way some of them talk about women is ridiculous like mm. I don't even know how to explain it. It's like, they're not, the way they say certain things, that women are not human. And I don't know if it's because of the way I've been raised. To me, women are amazing creatures. Like, I have nothing but respect. And this probably came after, uh, more so, like after seeing my wife give birth, just like what the human body can do and like just what women kind of go through it just raised my respect for them. I think I always, I try to always have as much respect for women as possible. Mm-hmm. But I feel like after 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 my wife gave birth, it was like it's a next level. Do you know what I mean? Mm, definitely, like, definitely. I'm with you there. This whole this whole world wouldn't exist if there was no women. Like it wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And um, yeah, because some people just aren't there mentally. Like you said, some people look at women as 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 an object almost, and and they become it becomes like another commodity, it becomes another, it, I see so many, especially when I'm walking around London and, and bigger cities and, and on social media, you see so many trophy-like relationships, like this oh, is yeah. my man because he wears this, he does that, he drives whatever, or this is my girl because she's got this, she's got this handbag or whatever, and it's it becomes part of that image gang, and they think it's about image rather than substance, which brings on it's another another load of issues so i think it's just being able to see through this like that social media lens is definitely on as soon as you click on the app but it's being able to kind of see through it and and not take everything that's so literal because oh. we all know we probably all know someone that stunts on instagram but really in real life they're they're, they're not there oh my gosh don't even get me started um yeah like i've seen it all I've seen, like, obviously, I like to keep my relationship. My relationship is extremely, I don't want to say extremely private, but if you know me, you know my relationship. That's it, done. Mm. But if, you, if, if you're on social media, you're not going to see my relationship. You're not going to see, like, me being under the comments of my missus's page or, do you know what I mean? You're not going to see any of mm. that. Right? Because, I don't know, to me, it's like, that's, that's even, it's not even the first thing that comes to my head. But some people mm. have to make it a thing. It's like they're trying to be a brand, like a perfect brand. Mm. But you gotta you gotta remember brand is a like a seriously thought out image. And mm. that's what people are doing to their relationships. And then it goes left. And then mm-hmm. uh, they're removing all they're removing all the images of their mm. of their ex and you know, all this other stuff. Like I've seen it firsthand. I've seen people have the biggest issues in their relationship, but every week I love my man. Oh, I love my mm-hmm. women. Da, 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 da. Oh my God. Uh, men, men like these. He's a keeper. <laughs> We've seen it, man. <laughs> I remember hearing, I remember he, I've heard conversations like, my man don't post me enough on Instagram or or everything's related to like, like Instagram is that, is that the final piece to the pie? Like you have to be shown and you have to be, like you have to show that perfection almost. 
And it's, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a terrible place for that. Like, I can feel, like, I'm just thinking of all these examples and you kind of know, like you said, you kind of know the, the situation and what the relationship might be like, but on social media, it's the, the, the best thing. Yeah. I think you need to really look at, like, do you really require other people's, um, do you need other people's approval for your relationship? Because mm. if you if you really do, like, I, like, don't get me wrong. I think sometimes you might need the approval of other people in your relationship. But who are those people that that need that approval? And if it's something like your parents, that's different. Do you know what I mean? They mm. know you. Do you know what I mean? And if they're trying to put an obstacle in your way, it's like it's more like to see. Are you are you gonna break through this obstacle to be with this girl? And if you do, then she might be the one for you. But if you're if if mm-hmm. you're not, then it might not be. Do you know what I mean? But it's got to be people that you respect entirely, not just people that you follow on Instagram and you know nothing about. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We got a question. We got a question. We got a question here. Yeah, Chris. Let's load this one up, Chris. Hey Jamal. Hey Jules. Um, you know, uh, I know we. I think that like drugs are drugs and that's the only form of drugs uh something that we take and consume through our mouths but um uh even the things that affect our brain can be consumed through our eyes and uh even the thing the things we put in our ears can can affect our brain as well and so um social media they 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 create drugs and it affects our neurology, just like regular drugs that we consume. It affects our neurology, our body, our chemistry, our, our, the way our hormones move and all that. It gets us agitated. It gets us uh, uh, excited. It, gets, it does all these different things to our neurology uh, that we are sometimes even unaware of. And, um, yeah, if, if it can affect us in, in our day-to-day, then uh, it can definitely affect our mental health i hope what i'm saying makes sense yeah i'm gonna show you play this second yeah 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 so to, to further explain what i'm saying in my last comment uh i'm a software engineer uh make websites uh i used to work in the advertising tech industry and there's a lot of uh psychology and neuroscience done to figure out how to get people to stay on the platform uh the colors uh the words how the words are placed on the colors, uh, the content that's being fed, the machine learning algorithms, even learning a bit about your personality, um, shaping the content to make sure that it matches you, uh, using your views and your interaction with the content to make sure that you are continuously engaging with the content, um, that you are always having a reason to come back and consume this thing from your eyes, from your ears. And so it's a, it's a drug. Uh, and so sometimes you gotta treat it like a drug um yeah yeah it it, yeah i'll I'll just leave it at that he had he had some really strong points there uh thank you chris Mm. for putting in putting in those um those comments i think you're you're so right about everything you've just said there uh i myself also worked in advertising previously and knowing you know certain colors are put into certain adverts to make you feel a certain way even in into like logos and branding, you know these all play a toll, and that doesn't stop. At, so that doesn't stop at our advertising. It also continues into social media, and we also understand that um, social media is completely there 
to make you stay on there for as long as possible. You know, I I I I spoke about it a couple of episodes ago where I was talking about when I first felt like I was addicted to social media and it wasn't Instagram, it wasn't Facebook, it was on a platform called Bebo. And uh, I was addicted to getting like notifications. I always wanted to see, okay, is, is someone going to share their love with me, which is like a social currency they had on the app. And I was just on there constantly. And then when you see the beast that is Instagram and Facebook and the way they they want you to keep a lookout for notifications, um, the way they have you to swipe in, that people's literally, they've gone through their whole feed. There's nothing more. They are swiping for that refresh. That's like an addiction. They need that kick, that, that, that uh, endorphins. And, you know, it could just be because they posted a picture. They want to make sure they get instantly likes and likes and likes. And they're swiping to see has anyone liked it yet has anyone liked it yet uh if they didn't like it in the first 10 minutes then oh that means no one likes it so you know like these are all having extremely strong pulls on your mental health um and it also kind of gives you false sense of uh a community just because people have liked it you know like jam jam you told me have you ever just gone through a post and just double taps but do you like it like that? Like, do you really, really like it? Or you just yeah. have a double tap it? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Sorry. So. Oh, we lost you there, Jam. I don't know what you just said. Hello, hello. Yeah, yeah, you're there now, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So you said that again. I lost, yeah, I think I lost connection. Okay, cool. So I was saying that, um, do you hear what I said about Chris? I don't know what's happened. I can Hello? hear you. Can you hear me? Hello? I can I hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. I can hear you now. You can hear me now. We're going to play. Yeah, we're yeah. going to load. We're going to load another the, another comment mentioned by Chris based on what um, I just said. Let me say, I, I believe that it's okay to do drugs. Uh, just make sure that the drugs aren't doing you. <laughs> That you aren't being uh, controlled by the drugs, the alcohol, the weed, uh, the social media. Um, because your dependency on it makes them money. And you should instead use the drugs to uh, enlighten yourself, to, to grow as a human being. Um, because drugs are everywhere. Sugar is a drug. The sugar industry doesn't pump it as a drug. I mean, like show it as a drug, but it's a drug. We are consuming more sugar than, we, than our ancestors did. And, you know, they, they've made, it, it's, it's, there's, there's a book called uh, The Case Against Sugar that shows that sh the way that they use sugar should have been illegal in, in America. But whatever the case is, um, make sure that you use your drugs to go the direction you want to go instead of being led astray to their direction. You know what? I think that. You know what? That's I think that's hundred percent true. What you're saying, um, I've never actually heard uh, a conversation about drugs in a positive manner um, since I heard the conversation with Stephen Bartlett and I can't remember the other guy's name. I don't know if you remember Jam, but they were talking about the drug industry and how drugs can actually help mental health. Um, Was that and, a psychedelics episode? 
the psychedelics episode. Yes, yeah. exactly that. Mm. And I'm sure when he's when Chris is mentioning using drugs to enlighten yourself, we might be talking around things like you know different types of weed, maybe mushrooms, or um, what was it there? Like things like ayahuasca, things like that. These are like real like enlightenments, you know. But again, I still feel like you have to have a certain kind of mentality to be able to take in this type of information because when like if you if i was to say to my mom now or when i was 18 mom i'm gonna go take some mushrooms she's gonna be like what <laughs> you know what i mean it's not something but that can act but it, what it can do it, it can help you in a positive way it just has to have the right dose and it shan't be treated as like an addiction you can't use it as like an addiction so you shouldn't do it's like when someone's saying do add psychedelics, it might be once a year, not every two months or every month or whenever you want to get off your face. That's different. That's a reliance on it. It's just using it for these kind of like enlightened moments to just help balance you out. You might need an escape, but you don't rely on it to escape, if you get what I mean. So, mm, um, sure, but I think sure. that's, a, I, I, I think that's another, like, I think that's a whole episode because I want to uncover the whole thing about drugs and psychedelics and how it can be beneficial for mental health. But I think it really requires like its own episode in itself. But um, mm. I definitely, I definitely think it can be used in a, in a positive way. Should we um, uh, see what Ethan's got to say quickly? We're just going to load you. Yo, used to what's going on. Uh, I've been listening since um, the thing started. You have got some very valid points. Um, yeah, I can't go all the points because obviously it'll be a long message, but yeah, um, I'd love to get involved in the conversation again because, yeah, used to some really good points that you put across. But yeah, man, Bebo, high five, MySpace. And the first friend you had on MySpace was Tom. So yeah, I remember all them. You remember that I jam? I was telling you about Tom, I was saying. He was the friend of everyone. I don't know if he owned MySpace or whatever it was, but he was everybody's friend on MySpace. And it was just a thing. You just remember, I just remember the picture of this white guy and he's like, his head slightly turned. And he was like the guy on, on, um, on MySpace. Yeah, I remember you um, saying, I remember you saying. <laughs> I don't know, should we add Ethan into the conversation? Yeah, man, let's do it. All right, I'm going to play this last one quick. So there's Ayahuasca. Um, the froggy one, um, but yeah, I've looked into this man. Ayahuasca is one of the things that I want to do, but then also I've looked on um, a couple of things, and there was this yogi that basically said, "Don't use drugs as a like a back door. Use meditation and then do it properly." Yeah, I, I agree with that, man. I think uh, things like meditation um, is something that. I think I'd rather rely on medic, medic, yeah, meditation and uh, do something like ayahuasca like once a year or something. I feel like, yeah. But I, again, I feel like I'm at that mental stage where it's something that I can do. I've heard people take, I've heard about people taking ayahuasca and they were faced with some demons, man. And... I feel like you have to face those demons in meditation first, <laughs> personally, uh, because if you've got something looming over your head all the time, constantly, 
I feel like if you do take a certain drug, it might just project that even more. Do you get what I mean? Mm, so I feel like you sure. have to be really careful where where your where where your mindset is at. Where like I'm in a mindset of like constantly looking forward. Um, I accept all my demons. I accept my wrongdoings. I accept. I take accountability for anything that I have done. I I'm in a place of gratitude. I'm also in a place of growth. I'm trying to live life on my own terms and nobody else's terms. So when it comes to like um, testing out certain things, I'm testing it out on my terms and nobody else's. It's not because of the influence of somebody else or whatever. I've gone and I've searched for this information. So um, yeah, I think yeah, we need to we need to have that <laughs> that kind of conversation. For sure, no, definitely, man. Definitely, it's definitely one, definitely one for another episode just to dive into to that space. But definitely, in the meantime, I hundred percent recommend the um psychedelics episode with Stephen Bartlett, and I cannot remember the guest's name, but yeah, it's definitely. It's I reckon for me, it's definitely top five, top five episodes of his. Mm. Oh, one hundred percent. I'm actually gonna go search for it now and make sure that people actually have the name of it because that uh that episode is something else it proper changed my my perception um because as i got older i've seen people take psychedelics in different ways and my perception of it because i guess in the in the black community we uh, i feel like we have one drug and that might be just be weed or maybe alcohol and that's it and the the uh, some people might abuse it and they abuse it too much um, and that's with both weed and alcohol. They can both, they're both drugs and they both can be used in certain ways. Um, but I feel like that's it. If there's anything outside of that, it's almost like, whoa, you're a druggie. Do you know what I mean? Oh, you take ecstasy mm. or you take this. Do you know what I mean? It's like it, the perception of it is very, very different. Um, mm. But where, where like now I've rubbed shoulders with like other communities and seen, I've seen certain things. Some of the smartest people I know take psychedelics and they don't take psychedelics like they're trying to, they don't hate, they don't like use it as a way of escape. It's literally a, a way of like enlightenment for them. Mm-hmm. And my perception of that if when I was younger would be mental. Like it would be like, yo, I'm not ever doing that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I feel like as I got older, as long as you take something, psychedelics in a controlled, I have to repeat it, controlled environment, uh, with the right amount, right dosage and things like that, I think it could probably awaken a lot of people. Um, and just, you know, just clear a lot of things up in your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, definitely. Whether it's like just seeing things from a different perspective. Sometimes we get stuck in one perspective and we victimise ourselves. But, we, you know, if you if you do take a psychedelic, you, you might see a different... Um, point of view and Ethan mentioned you know things like ayahuasca and that's a big thing um uh and, and it's something from like in indigenous it's indigenous in terms of like south america um indigenous people used to take this and they used to um it was like their way of like connecting with either like higher beings or ancestors and getting messages and you know things like that and it makes me think like a lot of stories maybe in the bible 
you know when you hear like you know people who've done this or had certain experiences in the bible if you if you have read the bible um there's a lot of i know joe rogan has spoken about this where they think like people like jesus have they took like mushrooms they would eat mushrooms they had mushrooms with them um to get messages whether it's from god or things like that and now we look at it it's not in that like we look at it as like a negative thing but back then it was like those who had access to those were able to relay messages and change the world in in different ways the fact that we can still mention jesus or muhammad or whatever prophet there might have been that you know it's just it's stories that has been told through the times and they they there's a possibility that they were taking psychedelics on a regular basis to be able to do certain things um definitely, that, definitely. that open that opens up a different conversation you know so For sure um, no I, I agree man that's one for another episode just to dive into all of that it needs its own it needs yeah, its own space 100 percent um but yeah like jam have you ever considered taking any psychedelics have you ever taken any psychedelics I haven't, and I've. It's not. It's not really come to my mind. I don't think I'm there mentally yet. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think I'm. I'm in that space to kind of e- explore. That I think. Yeah, maybe in a few years I might be looking into it. But yeah, at the moment I've. Yeah, I've not. I've not. Yeah, it's not been a focus of mine or something that's kind of entered my entered my headspace. Mm, I think um, for me, I've never taken any psychedelics. Uh, I think that it's something I'm open to at my age now, but I would want it to be in like a really controlled environment. And um, that episode with Stephen Bartlett. So if you don't follow Stephen Bartlett, please do check him out on YouTube. It's, um, his YouTube channel is called The Diary, The Diary of a CEO. And the episode that we're talking about is with Christian uh, Angermeyer, a... A billions a billionaire's guide to healing your mind and extending your life um and yeah i think if you check out that episode you might have a different perception of psychedelics and how it can actually benefit people especially like like as we get older especially in the black community i think uh, things like dementia is something that's so common common but if you could take uh, a psychedelic that will help you or help delay or help improve your situation of um, dementia, I think you should take it. And, and technology is also moving in that direction as well, where there are certain things that people want to do with technology, like, for example, the metaverse and things like that can help aid, you know, people who have elderly illnesses um, to kind of help make their brain stronger and help build like different pattern, patterns or reconnect patterns that are broken within your brain. Because the brain is so complex there's no, there's no like uh, cure to certain things that happen within your brain. So, like, there's no drug that you can give to someone. And when I say drug, I mean like drugs that you know they use now when you have mental health issues. It's like, oh, this just this just calms you down, or it just makes you drowsy, or it stops you from acting out. Yeah, that, those are not those are not helping your situation. If you get what I mean, they just—it's like it's just—it's uh, a stimulant Masking to give, that they give you. Yeah, they mask it and they make you stay on that kind of course, and that's it. 
and then there's side effects of those things as well so uh you know I, I know it happens a lot more in america where if your child is showing symptoms of like adhd or something like that they start giving them like tablets that help them like calm down but if you're a child or whatever you're going to be hyper like what's wrong with them being hyper it's just gonna, it's going to happen but they will try and give you like pills and stuff to like make you reliant on these things to calm your child down where again it's like what i was saying earlier where you can you know kids have this they have these energies and they need to be exerted they need to be exerted at certain times they need to take part in karate taekwondo football whatever sport it might be where it requires a discipline and then they can use that you don't need to give them a drug and i think it's a similar with like uh, mental health you know there are certain times where people like the nhs might want to give you drugs for it but what are those drugs they're there to just calm you down but it doesn't give you like a psychedelic experience that actually changes your outlook it's not an enlightening experience mm. you know what i mean I it's think not there to <laughs> sort the problem it's like almost there just to mask it like it's like a temporary yeah. fix but that, but that temporary fix often becomes a permanent like a permanent solution for them whereas that that shouldn't be the solution that might be a temporary thing but there's got to be other avenues to explore that that's more of a has more long-term benefits i guess 100 percent. and we see this with we see when it comes to i feel like i'm just like <laughs> wolf whistling but not wolf whistling whistleblowing is that what it's called when you call yeah. out like agencies and stuff so yeah, yeah, yeah. i feel like um when it comes to like the Western world and it comes to, uh, I guess, health, their outlook on health is very much, they subscribe you to something that something isn't the long-term solution, but it will be something that you have to, like it's like another avenue of money, literally. And this happens with everything. Someone might be blind, they can't see, but you have to wear glasses. And then you're going to be buying glasses for the rest of your life. So you're a long-term customer. And it's the same with um, the same with certain drugs, same with like treatment, like cancer patients, things like that. It's treatment. So you have a treatment and then they keep you with that. Isn't there something where, oh, we need to, you should probably, if your eyes are weak, isn't there, shouldn't we focus on trying to make your eyes stronger? Is there something we can give your body that can make your eyes stronger? But no, they want to make you reliant on glasses, which make your eyes weaker because you have to look, you're looking through something that makes your eyes look good so you can mm. see. But what what if there was something out there that you let, okay, there's a certain amount of time you have your glasses on, a certain amount of time you have your glasses off or something like that. If you look at it, if you take a different approach where you're actually trying to make your eyes stronger as opposed to making them weaker, you have a different outcome if you focus mm. your energies on those things, you know what I mean? But again, that's just how my, my view on Western uh, medicine is very much like we're not going to try and remove the issue. We're going to let you keep the issue, but you're going to be reliant on us for your help with this issue, if you know mm. what I mean. And I thought, I, oh, I have an issue with it. I, I have an issue with that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. We saying, Ethan, what you got sure. for us? So, with regards to... Um... ADHD drugs. I got diagnosed with ADD a few years ago, and they basically asked me if I wanted to go on um, pills. So I said, "Yeah, let's try it." 
and basically it made me feel tired. It um, made my brain basically just, I didn't feel nothing. And then, yeah, it just made me want to go to sleep all the time, man. So, yeah, they kind of sucked. But, yeah, bro, it's, it, yeah, it sucks. Them kind of drugs. But it's also knowing how to handle it. So, in response to your question now uh, about glasses, so, um, with regards to that, so I went opticians a couple of years ago. Um, and basically, she said that my eyes are. I need such a tiny prescription that my eyes are okay. Um, now, I'm starting to get headaches a lot more. Um, I don't know if that's due to me being on looking at a screen a lot more. But I'm going to see how my eyes are, eyes are now. So, that's into your response. Just into your. That's giving you a response to your question now. Yeah, I hear you, man. So, regarding the ADD thing, um, I feel like, uh, yeah, like, you kind of advocating that, you know, these drugs, is this is how it's made me feel. Again, I know very much, I know so many other people who, you know, feel same with some of the drugs and treatments that they're on. Um, feel like, if even if it's, like, things like pain or whatever it is, just, you know, things... It might remove the pain, but then you feel drowsy, you feel tired, you feel all these different things. And me personally, I feel like if we're, if we're, if we're thinking of healing someone, you should probably want to feel the opposite to that. You want to feel energized, you want to feel focused, you want to feel, you know, like I'm on top of the world, you know, and if it doesn't make you feel that way, I feel like it might not be the right drug for you. But I also, I also understand that when your body's fighting something, your body's doing overtime to kind of heal it. But we also have to focus on what your body needs to fight. So we probably need to look at it as like, let's say there's bad cells and good cells in your body. If um, you already got good cells in there and they're trying to fight the bad cells, we need to give your body extra good cells, like soldiers, whatever it might be. And I, I, I'm a big advocate for it being your diet. So whatever good um, good cells we can get or good energies we can get from your diet to help aid, you know, you, those good cells that's in your body to fight whatever it is, I feel like that's what the focus should be on as opposed to, you know, using some kind of thing to just relax you or, oh, this, this, it doesn't make your situation go worse. We just keep it where it is, but it doesn't get worse or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Let's try and uh, let's look at it like a war and we're trying to eradicate those bad cells because our bodies are, it's a cycle, isn't it? So we need to look at our bodies very much like, like we got bump, we got blood and everything's always constantly moving within our bodies because once your heart stops, that's it, you're done. <laughs> There's no more life. So we have to look at our bodies like we look at maybe the ocean and the earth. It's always in a constant cycle. We, we always orbit around the sun. We always, you know what I mean? It's the same, same thing. So if there's anything that's in our bodies, it's because there's a buildup of kind of mucus when whatever area it is. And we need to kind of flush that 
mucus out. There's a reason why we're like made up of like 70% or 60% water. We need to be able to flush certain things out of our system. And like, it's scary to think that our body, we don't even like our body's made up of water. And you would think, oh, we should probably give our bodies more of that. But a lot of our diets are not even based around that. It's based around crap. Like the guy just mentioned sugar, like a serious case against sugar. Sugar is probably one of black people's biggest killers. Do you know how many black people are diabetic? <laughs> it's mm. mad you know what i mean and on top of like any dietary um things that we eat that are just not made for us to eat like it, whether it's derived from slavery like things like cow for oxtail all this other stuff just certain meats saltfish. The saltfish all these things that we are eating that are just killing us slowly uh, and there's no mm. there's no uh uh, responsibility taken by what we're eating slowly there's communities growing now and we're going vegan and things like that i'm not vegan myself uh but like i've gone through that journey was vegan been vegan uh, gone through that things but I've, i started to realize what, what my what my body needs in certain times and i think it's definitely dependent on the climate that you're living in like i like if i'm if i'm in the heat i'm not eating meats i just i don't need it it makes me feel a certain type of way if I'm in the winter, it's cold. I need extra layers. I need fat. I need like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm. you, you, yeah, you have to adapt to your environment, and you'll see what people are eating during these different like climates and things like that. But when you're in a hot climate, I got that there is no need for meat. Like, there's no real need for meat. Like the excessive abuse of meat that we probably have right now. But again, it's another episode for another thing. But um, I just want to highlight those things, man. Just want to highlight that. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, man. I think we touched on a lot of things this episode, Jam. Like we've got, yeah, we've, yeah, we've gone <laughs> all <laughs> over the place, which is good, man. It's good. We have, man. It's gone all over the place, and you know what, Ethan? I'm gonna shout you out again, man. Thanks again for joining the show. We were meant to do this on Wednesday. It's now Friday. You know, life gets in front of us, but we've got to do it. And um, yeah, man, it's been a pleasure. I like. I hope that anyone who was listening, they they got some good nuggets from this show in terms of mental health. Uh, I still feel like we've only scratched the surface of it as well. Mm. Um, so there, there there definitely be other episodes on on mental health and toxic masculinity. We're all facing a lot of um, a lot of I guess adversities in life individually. You know, just from uh, it could be for being a man being a black man, being, um, you know, if not, maybe not having a sense of community, you know, loneliness. We're all facing some of these things. And, you know, I, I feel like instead of bottling it up, we need to be able to talk about it. And, like, we need to be able to talk to it and release it to other, to, I think just to other men. Um, I think that's really important. Um, I think uh, I want, what I wanted to say as well was, a lot like maybe like the people that generation before us places like the barbershop was those places where you could unload mm. and um there was no prejudice because you know some people are so scared to say things incorrectly they just don't say them like mm-hmm. uh you know and it could be just be something about women it could be something about you know uh other genders under other sexualities like for example i know i say i say the wrong things when it comes to um you know homosexualities 
Like some people might take my comment that I said earlier about women. If there was no women, then this world would not exist. So some, you know, people who are who are gay might take it as like, what? So what are you saying that there shouldn't be no homo? There should be no, you know, there should be no gays or something like that. But <laughs> to me, it makes sense to say that with like everything that's existed in this earth that is created by man is because of women. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's because that man came out of a woman. And that's it, yeah. end of full stop. <laughs> like so it's like this man would not be create this man not, would not exist if the woman didn't create you. Do you know what I mean? Didn't give mm, birth to sure. you. Do you know what I mean? You're connected. You're only given birth. You've only been born because you were connected to the mother's umbilical cord. And that was how you got your food from a woman. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, like, this takes it deeper than anything. But some people might not look at it that way. And then that's why, I, like I for, for example, sometimes I think that some people get confused and they choose their sexuality based on, And I think sometimes... They're choosing their sexuality as if they choose it like a lifestyle. Again, I'm not going to say that's everybody because I don't know everybody's story. I just think that there are cases where men choose homosexuality as a lifestyle as opposed to this is how they really feel. You know, there's things that there's there's toxic things that happens to boys, especially as a young age, that lead them to choose certain lifestyles. What if you were a young boy and all your friends or some of your community were able to get girls and you couldn't get girls, but you knew you had good rapport with men? You're going to lean towards, you might lean more to the attention of men as opposed to the attention of women because you feel like at the time when it was time for you to try and get girls or whatever, you couldn't do it for whatever reason. And then you've chosen to go down the men route. Does that still make you... Do you know what I mean? It's like it becomes a choice mm. then, doesn't it? Mm. But again, that's a, that's another conversation for another time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's another conversation. But I want to have those conversations. It's not about being sensitive. I'm open. I want to talk about. Yeah, I think it, I think that's head. it. I think it's it's having the discussion around it and getting different people's viewpoints. It'd be interesting to have a, a gay person on the show and discuss it with them just to see what their thought process is and where where certain thoughts stem from and stuff like that because yeah we can we can speak being heterosexuals but it's also good to have the other side and and understand from people in that corner um but yeah yeah we're definitely here for this work the podcast for man we're here to to speak and learn ourselves and and help hopefully educate you guys it's that it's a it's a it's a 360 thing like we're 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 not perfect but yeah we're, we're we're trying can give fire, give give ourselves a platform, I guess, to to like have these conversations. Hundred percent. We're not here chasing clout. We want the conversation, and we want our we want to learn and enlighten our followers through social media. So yeah, it's a it's a, it's a big movement. Um, Jam, that question I asked at the beginning, with you, if you if success was guaranteed in any profession that you chose that you choose. What profession would you choose and why? You know what? I think my answer now stems from where I am in my life at the moment. Four years ago, I would have said, 
professional footballer. That's yeah, that's the that was the dream job. But for me now, I think my ideal job would be within brand management for a a within fashion for one of the big hitters within fashion, um, based around sport. For example, okay. Nike, yeah, for like Nike, um, footwear in the UK, for example, and being able to kind of direct and dictate their position, their positioning and direction they go in a brand. I think that's that's the route. Like now, so that... where I am in my life, I think that would be that would be my goal. Like if I was to think of of my end goal, that would be it. Okay, interesting. Very mm, interesting. But yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. that. Mm, yeah, it's strange because a couple of years ago, even last year, if you asked me last year, I'd have been like, yeah, Coach Shaq, that's me. Yeah, that's me, yeah. yeah. But I think where I am at the moment, I think I feel like it's good because I feel like I've found my path. I feel like this is where where it's leading to. And I'm enjoying, I'm just enjoying where I am and the company I work for and the opportunities that I'm getting and, and, and the possible opportunities that could come in the future. So, yeah, I think that's that's my answer. That's a great answer, man. That's good. I think I, I thought about it today and um, mm. I, I saw it somewhere and I thought, you know what? What if if I could choose any career and success is guaranteed and success could be whatever you think success could be. It could be money. It could be just, you know, the achievement of certain projects or whatever. It could be whatever it is. And I, and I thought about it and it would be, it'd actually be, it won't be what like I don't want to say it won't be what I'm doing now. It will, but it's like it's slightly aligned in a different way. And I think for me, I would want to be a successful activist. So if I was mm-hmm. an activist, that means that I'm trying to affect change and um, change for the better. And I would want to be successful at that. And yeah, I just feel like, yeah, if, if if there was a career where I knew I'd just be successful at it, um, no matter what happens to me, I'll be successful at, at creating that change, it would have to be an activist because I want to see change and I want to, you know what it is? I want to see a positive, like, community with strong ethics just around our like around our own community and our diaspora where mm-hmm. a lot of us are a lot of us are lost and mm-hmm. i want i want that to change a lot of us don't control our narrative i want that to change um mm-hmm. a lot of us don't know at where we're going in life like and what we could be, I want that to change. Like, mm-hmm. you know what? Like, there's certain there's certain people that I gravitate towards, and one person mm-hmm. being someone like, even if it could be older than me, it could be younger than me. Certain people move with different frequencies, and mm-hmm. someone like Nip- Nipsey Hustle, someone like Nipsey Hustle moved on that frequency. Like, you can look at him as just a rapper. Okay, cool. That's one way. But he's an activist. He's no longer with us, but he's affected change in his neighborhood. And that's all I'm trying to do is just live my life on my own terms, affecting change. And it's sad that sometimes 
the the change that you make results in your life but i think sometimes the way we look at life is um we put too much fear on death but anyway that's another topic but mm -hmm. i want us i i really just want to affect change in a in a positive in a positive way i heard something that um pal salu said he's a rapper i don't i look at him as more than a rapper but you, his frequency is different and he said that like obviously black history that he learns here is very westernized or whatever and he said something like oh did you know that Su sudan in africa has more pyramids than egypt and it's like oh, really yeah and again you're gonna be like oh really so if you if you are brought up knowing that you can be a king or a queen or you're a scientist, you're, I don't know, you can affect change and you're born into royalty or you're, you're from a tribe of just like the highest morals, you carry yourself differently. And that's the change. I want, I want, I want, my, I want my children, your children to understand that what they're kind of like born into a, a sense of royalty in that mm -hmm. there's there's no, there's nothing that can take you away from this you know your you know yourself straight away mm. if we look at if we look at royalty and we look at all right if you're like prince harry i don't know i can't remember the name of his son or is it i can't remember his name of his son george, but he's, huh? george he's gonna know every single one of his He's gonna his grandfather, great grandfather, great great grandfather, great like great 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 father, because they're all stapled in history. So you're never gonna know that you're never gonna feel like you don't know who you are. Do you know what I mean? And mm. that's the change. That's the change I want. That's the change I want to make. Is we need strong families. We need things that are required within our community. You need you need art. You need music. You need sport, but when it comes to sport and stuff, we're not dancing for other people. We need to own our narrative. We shouldn't have to be out here saying Black Lives Matter. You know, you, like people, everybody should know Black Lives Matter. If we own, if we owned our if we owned our narrative, Black Lives Matters without you having have without you having to say it. And yeah, if I was successful, then I've created change, and it's done. So that was me. Ah, no, I like oh. that one. That's powerful. That's powerful. That's a powerful message. And let's yeah, hope let's hope we can both work towards that, both our goals and and get there. And I think yeah. as long as you stay on that path, is I don't want to say inevitable, but you'll you'll definitely get close to it. Yeah, man, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I'm happy to conclude it there. It's been an amazing conversation. It's been a pleasure. No, it has. It's been a good one. It's been a good. Yeah, man. We had a lot of people, well, few people engaging that. In the show as well. Big up Ethan for joining us again, and anyone else who's been listening. Uh, I would say a couple of names, but I haven't seen all the names that have been listening. But we had a good few listeners there, and um, yeah, man, keep out for our next show, which will be coming potentially, well, definitely next week. And uh, yeah, man, peace out. Love, love.